0: BLOB Talk Radio.
1: Okay, get started right away with our lesson. It is John MacArthur, the revelation of our salvation here on Troopy Toll Radio.
2: No matter who you are no matter how physically gifted or physically seemingly non-gifted, no matter how educated or ignorant, doesn't matter what it is, rich or poor, all of us have received a saving faith that is equal in its value and gives us standing equal before God.
3: For hiding Jewish families in her home, Corey Tenboom endured ten months in three concentration camps. And by the time World War II ended and she was released, Corey had lost four family members, her father and a sister, a brother and a nephew. And the war may have taken her family, but it did not shake her confidence in God or in the future. Corey famously said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, friend, why should you share Corey's confidence in the future? What should you hope for if you're a Christian? You're going to hear answers today on Grace to You Weekend as John MacArthur reminds you of what's ahead, what God promised to every believer. The title of his current study, Remembering What Not to Forget. And now with the final installment of this series, here's John.
2: Let's look back at 2 Peter chapter 1. And I just want to wrap the chapter up briefly in the time left. In verse 12, we have the key that unlocks the chapter. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. What things? The things before this verse and the things after this verse. The whole chapter is a list of things that we are never to forget, though we already know them and are already established in them. Unless we continue to exercise our minds and exercise our wills in those things, they will slip from our grasp what are we to remember? Verse 12, we are to remember these things. What things? The word wherefore is at the beginning. That takes us back, the things he's just mentioned. First of all, the reality of salvation, verses 1 and 2, that we have obtained a like precious faith through the righteousness of God and the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the riches of our salvation, that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness, that we have received the divine nature and escaped the corruption of the world. And then the responsibility of our salvation, that we are to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And then the fruit or the result of our salvation, that we're not to be barren or unfruitful. Now we know what we're to remember, the reality, the riches, the responsibility, the result... And then last time we closed by talking about the rest, the rest, verses 9 to 11, so that we're not blind to the fact that we're saved. We must remember our salvation and what it requires and what God wants it to produce. And when we see the fruit, then we'll know we're redeemed. When we don't see the fruit, we won't know we'll be blind. Now, that's the first part of the chapter. Then Peter speaks, as we've seen in verses 12 to 15, about how important it is for him to remind us, as long as he's in this tabernacle, he says in verse 13, I'll stir you up, putting you in remembrance, because I know, verse 14, that I'm shortly going to die, as the Lord showed me, and he showed him in John 21. And so then you come to verse 15. Now watch it. Let's begin there. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. And then he goes on to two more things he wants you to remember. And those are the two we want to talk about this morning. And really, we just want to give you the interpretation of the text and then just see if we can apply it to us. First of all, I like to call verses 16 to 18 the revelation of our salvation, or better, the revelations, plural, of our salvation. But first, let's see what Peter says in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, this is a tremendous statement. The main issue among the people to whom Peter is writing is the second coming. False teachers have come in and they've said there's no second coming. Christ won't return. It won't be the way you say. There never will be a second coming. There never will be a judgment of the earth. We know that, don't we? Because of chapter three. Verse 3, scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? All things continue as they were from the creation. Nothing is ever going to change. There's no second coming. Why do you want to believe that? And Peter then moves into his theme right here, and he says, When we have said unto you things concerning the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have not followed some philosophy, some humanly devised, deceitful false story, we are telling you about the second coming because we have seen it with our own eyes. Now, that's a pretty amazing statement. You say, Peter, frankly, I think you've gotten a little carried away. How could you see the second coming when it hasn't even happened? What in the world are you talking about? The power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? You have been an eyewitness of His majesty in coming glory? That's right. I'm not telling you something second-handed. I'm telling you something that I, myself, have experienced as an eyewitness. Well, when did you ever see that, Peter? Let's go back to Matthew 16 and find out. And we'll go back to when Peter walked with Jesus on the earth. And back to Matthew 16, verse 24. Now, Jesus is very urgent in what he says here to his disciples. He wants them to be committed to him. So he says, I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. If you're going to try to just preserve your life, make yourself comfortable in this world, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. If you just want to gain the whole world, you'll lose your soul. If you're willing to lose the world, you'll gain your soul forever. In other words, get your spiritual priorities in in order. Why? Verse 27 because the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his works in other words he said get your life in order because jesus is going to come back and reward you you better make sure you're ready to receive a reward rather than judgment so verse 27 introduces the second coming now look at it he's coming in the glory of his father what is that john 14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What is that? The glory of the Father is the fullness of deity, that's all. God is God, and God is God manifest in glory. And it's simply saying that Christ is the glory of God, which glory now in His humanness is veiled, right? Right? But someday he will come in full blazing glory. Later on in Matthew 24 and 25, it tells us about this. There's coming a day when he pulls the veil of his flesh aside and no more humiliation but glorification. You say, boy, that's exciting to think about. And then Jesus said a statement that must have just been so thrilling they couldn't have stood it. He said, there are some standing here who shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Some of you aren't even going to die before you see Christ in second coming glory. Now, you say, wait a minute. They'd have to be 2,000 years old if he came now. How could they possibly live to see the second coming? Some of you standing here are going to see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Wait a minute. How can it be? Well, you have to go to chapter 17. And by the way, all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have the same text as verses 27 and 28, and all three follow it with the same incident that's in chapter 17, showing that without doubt, this is the fulfillment of that statement in verse 28. Six days later, and none of them had died in those six days. Not all of them that were standing there, not all the disciples, but some of them. Six days later, which ones? Peter, James, and John, his brother. Jesus took and brought them into an high mountain privately. And what did they see? Verse 2. And Jesus was transfigured. He was metamorphosed. He was transformed. He was changed. He was altered before them. Totally transformed. And how? His face did shine like the sun. He pulls open the veil of His flesh and they saw Him in full blazing glory, the kind of glory that He will manifest at His second coming. This is a preview, folks, and indeed the fulfillment of verse 28. They saw the Son of Man in the essential glory that He would have when He comes in His kingdom. And behold, verse 3, boy, what a fabulous thing that must have been. And there appeared with Him Moses and Elijah having a conversation. And, of course, Peter spoke up naturally, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. This is terrific. You know what he was saying? Don't let it stop. Don't let it end. This is terrific. And while he yet spoke, verse 5, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice Out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were very much afraid. All of a sudden, Peter's joy turned to total fear when he heard the voice of God. I can't imagine what the voice of God must be like, but I'm sure I'd have a similar reaction. Verse 7, I love this. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise. Don't be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus only. It was over just as fast as it had begun. But Peter had seen with his own eyes the power and the glory of Jesus in his second coming manifestation a personal, dazzling preview of second coming glory. Let me ask you a question. You think Peter ever forgot that? Not hardly. I really don't think he ever forgot that. And so now you go back to 2 Peter and you get an idea of what he's talking about. He says, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Well, when was that? I mean, when did you see that? For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, when was that? Well, this voice came from heaven, and we heard it when we were with him in the holy Mount. See, Peter says that I had this personal experience. Peter can't ever forget, because God manifested himself in such an incredible way, he could never forget. John had the same thing, and John wrote in 1 John 1:1, that which we have seen. Looked upon, heard, and our hands have handled Concerning the word of life, declare we unto you I'm not talking out of the second hand I saw Christ, I touched Christ Paul says the same thing in Galatians He says, I didn't get my gospel from any man I didn't even get it from the people in Jerusalem I got it from Jesus Christ himself In other words, Peter says, I I remember I remember the revelation of God to me in my own life How can that apply to us? I believe that God endeavors to help us to remember by revealing Himself so frequently in our lives that we really can't ever forget. But there's something better than that that you must remember, and that's the key in verse 19, the resource of our salvation. And this is the bottom line for all of it. This is what makes it all happen. You can't remember the reality of your salvation. You can't remember the riches of it. You can't remember the responsibility. You can't remember the result. You can't remember the rest. And you can't even be sure of the revelation unless you know what the resource is. And the bottom line is in verse 19, we have a more sure word, more sure than experience, and it is the Word of God. Verse 20, it is the Scripture... Don't forget the Scripture, people. Don't forget the Word of God. We have a more sure, more sure, listen, than a personal manifestation of God. More sure than a transfiguration on a mountain. Why? Because you cannot always believe your senses. And you cannot always believe your experiences. And your experiences have to be qualified by biblical truth. And if you want to know there is a second coming... It's fine if you've had a personal revelation of God in your life, but a better proof of it is that the Bible says so. The Bible says so. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And here he's talking about the prophecy of the second coming. There is a more sure word. Watch how this verse should be read. Unto which you do well that you take heed, and then you jump to the end, in your hearts. You take heed to the more sure word. You remember the more sure word. And the words in between, by the way, are a parenthesis. The statement, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise, is a parenthesis. Just put parentheses around that statement. We have a more sure word of prophecy, and we do very well to take heed to it in our hearts. Verse 19 is a tremendous statement. The word sure there is the word for certain, the word for firm, the word for strong, the word that is used earlier in the chapter to refer to strong, firm roots. If you're going to defend the second coming or any other truth, you'll defend it out of the Word of God. That's the best place. The Bible says it. And then I love this parenthesis. You should listen to the Bible as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise. You know what the day dawn is? That's the kingdom of Christ. You know who the day star is? That's Christ Himself. Revelation 22:16 tells us that. And so he's saying this, until the day dawns, that is the dawning of the millennial day, the day when Christ comes, you must look to the Word as a man in pitch blackness looks to a light. There's, there's darkness all around us, and the only light is the Word. And so you do well to take heed as you would to a light shining in a pitch black place. And you will continue to take heed to the Word until the day dawns. And, beloved, when the millennial kingdom comes and the day star arises and we enter into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, we'll no longer need the Word of God because we will know as we are known, we'll have the fullness of knowledge. And then I love this. He says you can take confidence in this more sure word, verse 20, when you know this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture, watch how I translate this, is of any private origination. That's how it's to be read. He's not talking about how you interpret the Scripture. He's talking about the source of it, so that epiluceus is best seen as a, an origination. By the way, the word is not in the New Testament anywhere else in that form, so it's a unique word. And the context argues for the fact that he is talking about origination, not interpretation. Because in the next verse, he speaks of how it originated. For the prophecy came not at any time by the will of man or of a man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Why should you run to the Word? Because it's authored by God's Spirit. Beloved, don't forget the Word of God. You know how to tell a false prophet? They either... Deny parts of the Word of God or they add something to it. You don't need either. So Peter is saying, Remember the Word. And that's what Jesus said in John 15 Remember the Word, I said unto you. This is the greatest thing to remember. This is the source, the resource of everything. If you want to remember the reality of your salvation, you'll find it in the Word, the riches in the Word the responsibility in the Word, the results in the Word, the rest in the Word, and your revelations and manifestations of God must be that which coincide with the Word. You got to remember the Word. That's the key to everything else. You want to know why we have Bible studies and home Bible studies and books and tapes and Lagos classes and seminary classes? It's because we will never, ever, ever change this emphasis. We are men in the dark, who must run to the only light there is. And the only light there is, is that Scripture which came by God through His Holy Spirit. That's the primary issue. That's why our church emphasizes that. Remember the word, beloved, with a sense of urgency. When it's all summed up, Peter says, chapter 3, verse 18, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And where are we? Growing in knowledge. Where do you get it? Out of the Word of God. It is the resource for everything. Beloved, I'm committed in the years ahead, as in the years past, to make you remember, most of all, the Word of God. And out of remembering that will come all the other things.
3: You must never forget. That's John MacArthur on Grace To You Weekend. He's a pastor, author, and president of the Masters University and Seminary. Today he put the finishing touches on his practical study from Second Peter, titled, Remembering What Not to Forget. Now, John, in this study, you've pointed out that life as a Christian is actually pretty simple. We learn the truths of Scripture. We preach them to ourselves over and over. So why do we so often complicate the Christian life? We get distracted from the basics. We try to make it more complex than it needs to be.
4: I think one of the strategies of the enemy is distraction. Hmm. I think, you know, just think about it in terms of uh, the confusion in churches today. If you just said, you know, I want to know about Christianity, I think I'll go to a church. There's very little possibility that you would actually walk into a church at random where you would get a biblical message related to the true Christianity of Scripture. There's much more chance that you would be exposed to some some almost alien um, kind of interest or message. Yeah, that's a frightening thought, but I think you're exactly right. Yeah. We hear all the time from people who say, you know, I got a lot of churches in my town. I can't find one that teaches the Bible. So uh, I think part of what Satan does, and we shouldn't be surprised by this, is counterfeit Christianity, counterfeit the church, counterfeit the scripture, counterfeit the message. So you have the the, the kind of counterfeit Christianity and then you have the true Christianity which is a lot harder to find and then in between you have all kinds of confused forms of Christianity where there's some truth and and some other extraneous stuff that gets all mingled together with with Christianity The simplicity of the Christian life is exactly what you said. You have been transformed. You're a new creation. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. The Word of God is in your hands. Put it in your mind. Put it in your heart. And that's how you live the Christian life. Now, you need to be in an environment where the Word of God is taught, where the Word of God is lifted up, where other people are living the Word of God so that they can help you and minister to you their spiritual gifts and strengthen you and build up the body of Christ. This is this is what a church is. It is a community of redeemed people worshiping God in a biblical way and living out the Christian life according to Scripture. Their testimony then radiates out from that and demonstrates to the world the transforming power of the gospel, and that's the evangelistic impact. Now, let me say this. We have been talking about things you don't want to forget, remembering what not to forget. This is available. The series is ended now, but it's available in a four c d album or four m p three downloads. You can order the album from Grace to You or just download the uh messages on your computer. Get those copies of remembering what not to forget and uh, remind some other folks of these things,
3: yeah, and think of this as a spiritual refresher. It will remind you why your relationship with Christ is your greatest treasure and it will lead you to worship Him. To pick up your copy of John's series, Remembering What Not to Forget, get in touch with us today. Remembering What Not to Forget comes in a four-CD album. The CDs are reasonably priced, and shipping is free. You can order by phone. Dial toll-free 800-55-GRACE or go online to our website at gty.org. Our website is also where you should go if you want to listen to or download for free. Every message in John's study, Remembering What Not to Forget. And we hope that John's lesson today encouraged you spiritually and strengthened your love for Christ. If so, keep in mind, it's the support of listeners like you that helps us take these messages and the life-changing truth of the gospel to people all around the world. To partner with us, mail your donation to Grace To You Weekend, Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. You can also donate online at gty.org or call us toll-free 800-55-GRACE. Now for John MacArthur and the staff at Grace To You, I'm Phil Johnson, inviting you back a week from now when John is going to start a new study that will show you how much good and evil your words can bring to others. Taming the Tongue is the title of the series, and it starts next week with another half hour of Unleashing God's Truth, one verse at a time. On Grace to You
5: Weekend. <laughs> 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd King, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, makes me want to sing
6: creation. It's young. This is Ken Ham, and we've produced the family-friendly Answers Bible Curriculum. This week we're looking at five creation basics that come from the Bible. The first one is the age of the earth. Now, the Bible doesn't give us an exact age for the earth, which is good, or it'd be outdated within a year. But it does give us the information we need to calculate an age for the earth. You see, Genesis tells us God created in six literal days. Then it goes on to list detailed chronologies from Adam to Abraham. When you add up those dates, you get 2,000 years plus six days. We know there's been 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, and then 2,000 years from Christ to us. That's just 6,000 years, the age of creation.
0: Discover more about creation and what the Bible teaches about our origins at AnswersRadio.com and sign up for daily insights from Ken Ham at AnswersRadio.com.
7: They don't come close to understanding How you can go from most demanded To abandoned in the ocean stranded Surrounded by the waves of your weariness Some things you only learn from age and experience And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see The time is coming when they will be a faded memory Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not one day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. Better plan for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is. Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they want to know. Eventually we learn that they all come and go. Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars. Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed right. up. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped. Yeah, better plan for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter. Who it is. What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few. Even no experience to tell you that it's true. On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist. Wisdom, the sound of the sages resounding for ages. The older I get, I notice it. The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages. a holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverend. But what a man sees under heaven. Ecclesiastes 111. No matter who you are, death aims to stop you. Whether Banker, Doctor, or Frank Sinatra. Before your time is done, meet the time. Timeless one, the dying, death defying, rising, shining sun. King Jesus astounds and amazes. He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages. So let us praise the one
6: who made the Everglades. is Ken Ham with a passion for sharing God's word and the gospel with the world. All this week we're going back to the basics of creation. Now yesterday we learned that the first basic is the age of the earth, just 6,000 years. We don't live in a billions of years old universe and today's basic ties in with that. At the end of the creation week when God looked at all he had made he said it was very good. God's original creation was perfect. Now if our earth is old, then there were millions of years of death and suffering before God declared everything was very good. But that's not the character of the God of the Bible who calls death an enemy. God's original creation was free from death and suffering. Those are the result of Adam's sin and the curse.
0: Plan your visit to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum at AnswersRadio.com. Listen to this program again, view a full transcript, or share it with others. At AnswersRadio.com.
8: Lord, I'm writing this to you. I really hope you hear my heart. When thinking about describing you, I really don't know where to start. Start at the beginning Cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning And this fallen world, Distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity Ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously Loving one another endlessly Billions and billions of years ago Outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know But Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was As long ago as that was You have not changed, Lord Lord, Lord, Lord. It's long ago, it's long ago, it's long ago as that was. You're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable, immutable. You are
5: beautiful, you never change, you remain the same. Immutable, beautiful. Never change, never change Forever you reign, you remain the same You will never change, you will never change Beautiful, beautiful You never change, never change Beautiful You never change Never change Forever you reign You remain the same You will never change You will never change Beautiful Beautiful You never change
8: Never change When I think about my
5: Beautiful, beautiful, you never change, never change
1: Forever you reign, you remain the same You will never change, you will never change Beautiful, beautiful, you never change, never change That is a song, Immutable by Shailene To find out about Shailene, but it's Label lamp mode dot com, L A M P M O D E dot C-O, and Shannon spelled S H A I and L I N E. And next we got GoFish, you want to find out more about them, go to GoFishGuys.com, G O F I S G O I S dot com, GoFishGuys.com, and here is them with fruit and sphere. Bye.
5: To tell it. Bye.
6: according to their kinds. This is Ken Ham, head of the ministry that built a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati. When you think of creation in the Garden of Eden, do you picture Adam surrounded by tigers, polar bears, jackrabbits, and other modern animals? Well, let's look at what scripture says. Genesis tells us God created animals and plants to reproduce according to their kinds. Now later we're told Noah was to take animals according to their kinds on the ark. Researchers have determined that in most cases, kind is equivalent to family in our modern classification system. Now that means there was a cat kind, a bear kind, and a rabbit kind at the beginning. Not all the species we have today. Species like tigers, lions, and cougars are the result of speciation since the flood.
0: Discover more about creationist research when you visit AnswersRadio.com. Enjoy thousands of articles and resources to strengthen and encourage you at AnswersRadio.com.
5: I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and His love
6: This is Ken Ham, on a mission to call the church back to God's word and the gospel. Today we're finishing a series on the basics of creation. This last one is found in Genesis chapter 11. After Noah's flood, God commanded Noah's descendants to fill the earth. Eventually, they decided they didn't want to do that. They stayed together and built a city and tower. So God confused their languages, forcing them to spread out and fill the earth. Now, this event is very important because it explains how the human gene pool was split up. It eventually resulted in different cultures and ethnicities. You see, the Bible's clear. We're all one race, descended from Adam and Eve, and made in God's image. The reason we look a little different is because of the events of the Tower of Babel.
0: Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com and listen to other episodes in this series at AnswersRadio.com.
8: rain the universe proclaims the glory of your name and what am i that you called me to your side and took this heart of stone and broke it up in
1: That's all we got for Truthy Toll Radio. Join um, next time, 2 p.m. Florida, Pacific Time, Sunday. And we're on iTunes and also on Talk Radio Archive. And here's Yancy and Friends of VWLE going out with that. Bye for now.